Awesome. Awesome. Well, good morning, Identity Church. I hope y'all have had a great week. I know that, um, you know, it's been a cold week. Uh, we seem to be having an issue with our, our heat on the other side, so, you know, forgive us, but we've got a lot of heaters out there. Hopefully, by the time we get to our fellowship, everything will be perfectly warm. I know, it, to me, it is, like, super hot in here, but... I could probably go outside and just sleep, and it would be perfectly fine by me. Um, Before I get started this morning, I wanted to create an opportunity for you guys to be able to give into a great ministry. Um, Jason, would you come up here? You know, we sometimes have people who who feel the call to go into to go and do ministry activities. Now, it doesn't mean that they're, they may or may not be, you know, a minister one day or a pastor or whatever. But, you know, Jason has felt the call to go on the mission field. He's going to be going where? To Amazon. Okay. The, the Amazon River, taking a boat ride at night, sleeping, and then uh, waking up and doing things for different places or whatever. So it should be a lot of fun. So you'll get to minister to like the people on the Amazon River, go and help build like homes and, and things like that, help feed them. I guess so. I, I know some <laughs> of it's got to do with like we're giving them glasses and stuff like that. Okay. And I'm not really sure what I was involved yet because it's in August when, it, when I go out. So, so I, you know, one of the things that I wanted to, to be able to do because I believe when we give that we also receive, Right. And I want you guys to be blessed in giving, and you guys are awesome givers. We have great givers in this church, and y'all been giving great to, to this church. But if you feel like that you want to give into this ministry so that he can go and uh, help the people on the Amazon River, you know, we want to give you the opportunity. It doesn't mean you got to, to, to give, but you know, the thing is, is that I know the Lord's put on my heart, I'm going to give to, to this. And I'll give you a little bit of an antidote from when I went uh, on my, my mission trip to Costa Rica. You know that, in, that when I went to my mission trip in Costa Rica, I felt like I was going to have to pay it all. In fact, I, I went and I started saving and, and I had saved up the money. And I remember we were the person, the, the director that was taking us on this mission trip said, you don't want to stop the blessing for someone else. You may be able to pay for it, but you don't want to stop somebody else's blessing. And so I said, well, nobody's going to give to I mean, Who's going to give to my mission trip? I mean, at that point, I'd paid towards churches. I'd never received anything from anybody, right? And so I kind of sent out a, a cover letter like Jay has. In fact, we he's got some, and he'll hand them out to you if you want one. But, you know, I gave this out, and people paid everything to the point that we actually, the amount of money that came from the people who paid for me went to go help pay for others. It was overabundant. It was overflowing. And I remember sitting in a classroom because I was going to Karis, and I was crying. And everybody's around me, and they're like, what is wrong? And I said, you don't understand how much it blessed me that people gave to me, but I'm just believing for blessings back towards them. And every time we would go and we would minister to the people in the streets or we'd go into a church, I would be, I would be telling the Lord, they 
The people who gave to me, they're ministering as much as I am right now. So I want to be able to give you that opportunity. Jay wants to be able to give you that opportunity. So what I want, what I want you to do is if you feel led to do that, Jay has set up a Vimo and he's got his little Vimo thing on the, the QR, code. QR code. But if you want to give cash or check or any of that kind of stuff, we'll do that as well. But uh, when are you going? August 11th through the 19th. Okay, when do you need the money by? Uh, I need some by April. Some by April. Okay. So if you feel like you want to give into this, I know I'm going to. We can start taking up the money. Uh, if you want to, you can give it to the church. I'll actually, you just put down Jason's uh, uh, missionary trip, and it, it'll go into your giving and everything else. But, I, you know, I felt led in a lot of ways to help Jason out because I feel the, the calling of God upon his life. And so I just wanted to give you all the opportunity to be able to give into it as well. Thank you, Jason. Love you, you, buddy. Love you, too. I hope, uh, I hope that was okay for everybody. I know sometimes people go, well, you're talking about money. Yeah, I'm talking about money. Giving is a good thing. Giving is a great thing. In fact, I hope you go find somebody and give something to somebody today. Because it's good stuff. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, we're going to get into this, uh, to this message this week. This has been a message that's been in my heart for years. Okay? This has been a message that's been in my heart for years. And the Lord told me in the middle of the week, you're going to do that message today because I never knew when to do it or, or how to do it. And I don't do anything that the Lord doesn't tell me to because there was parts of this that I had no idea where I was going to go with it. And, you know, one of the things that I think is important right now because of what is happening in our society is that too many people think of people as things. How many people, I work for a large company, you probably work for companies, how many, how many people have heard people are our greatest asset? Well, if you, if you believe people are your greatest asset, then you're going to treat them like an asset. Buying and selling and moving and, and creating opportunities because they're the ones that are going to be making you money. Well, you know, in the, in the church and in the Christian life, we're not supposed, like, I don't look at you guys as assets. Like, I don't sit there and go, well, let me see how much asset and, and money and things that I can get out of these people over here. And, oh, i got to really work on these people over here to, to really get some profitability out of them. See, the thing is, is that when we look at what an asset is, when we look at what people are and what things are, we don't need to mix them up especially in our lives for relationship purposes. You know, I had a, a boss that used to tell me, and this is where it kind of come from. He used to say, people are people and things are things. Don't get them mixed up. Because if you start thinking about people as a thing, then you will treat them as a thing. That's why we have things like drug addicts. That's the reason why we have prostitution, pornography, 
It's because in people's minds, when they see another human being as someone that can be used, they make them a thing. You know, that's one of the reasons why I truly believe that when abortion and all these other things come up, the first thing that that people say was, well, you're killing babies. And they turn around and go, but it's a fetus. And you go, but it's the same word. The word fetus means baby. It just means that in Latin. But see, we start making something a thing, then we can do away with it. When we start making something a thing, we can use it and we don't feel guilty about it. Man, I feel like I just brought a downer. Everybody, I feel like everybody went, oh God, today is going to be hard. <laughs> I'm going to try not to make this hard. In fact, I want you to walk away from here going, man, this is great. I can actually create some dividing lines in my life and I can say, these people over here, I know that they are profitable to me. Just like what Paul said about John Mark. You know that John Mark and Paul did not get along in Acts chapter 17. He didn't get along. In fact, he wanted to send him packing. And Barnabas was his uncle. And Barnabas had a sharp disagreement with Paul about that. But when you get to the end of 1 Timothy, there's there's a part in there where it says that that. Send John Mark to me because he is profitable to me. Do you know that Paul saw him as somebody who he regarded as not just someone I love, but I see him as a prophet to the gospel, a prophet to me. That I'm going to get something out of it. He's going to get something out of this. And so he went from a cry whiny teenager how many people had cry whiny teenagers? Oh my gosh. And that, hey, it's going to be okay. This is the thing. Being, a, being someone who I didn't want to be here. How many people have, have been in a situation where you didn't want to be somewhere or do something, but then later on you found out that you were actually good at it that you were actually called to it. Well, see, this is what John Mark did. John Mark was young and he didn't know what he wanted. You know, when I was a kid, so I'll tell one on myself. When I was a kid, I was probably no more than four or five years old. And I remember dad had a blue Datsun truck. I remember this one because I got a, the worst whipping I probably ever got in my life. But I went to Nan and Pawpaw's. We were doing stuff at Nan and Pawpaw's and I wanted to spend the night. And then they got five yards away outside in the, you know, going down the road. And I started going, no, I want to go with them. And then I would go get in the car with them and I go, no, I want to go back over and be with Nan and Pawpaw. Well, about the time that I said, no, I want to go back with Nan and Pawpaw. Dad said, we're going home and you're getting whipping. Well, you know why? Because I didn't know what I, I wanted. And dad was not going to let me just control the situation and cause a bunch of stink, right? See, this is one of the things that Paul didn't want either. And Paul had all of his rights 
And Barnabas was like, you know what? If he wants to go home to mom or if he wants to stay or if he wants to do this or do, I'm his uncle. I'm going to handle all that. And Paul's like, look, he's either going to make a decision or he's not. Well, you know what happened is after, and I believe Paul and Barnabas, because they never were together after that, I believe it was a little bit more than a sharp disagreement. You know, Paul had the ability to go in there and really be a, a, a wrecking ball. So it may have been a full-blown argument, maybe even a fight over this. And Paul took Silas and went on. But see, this is one of the things I want you to understand is that God calls people that are not ready. God calls people who are, the only thing they can do is they can be the guy that sweeps up right now. And what happens is is we tend to get an idealism about people and about what their benefits are and their cause and and what they're supposed to do in life based upon something that we saw five years ago or maybe five minutes ago. You know, Jason, I love that he's going to go on these ministries. If you had told me Jason was going to go on a, you know, start going to Karis Bible College and he's going to start, you know, going and ministering on the Amazon River, 10 years ago, I'd have said, nope. You know why? Because he wasn't ready. See, those are the kind of things that we have to understand is that when people are people and things are things, we don't look at them as an asset that, well, they have a usefulness and once their usefulness is up, then we throw them away. See, when we look at people, people grow beyond their borders. I want you to understand that. People grow beyond their borders. In fact... That's the thing is that when we think of people as things, we think that they have a shelf life and then you throw them away. And we actually do this all the time. We find ministers that have been ministering for 40 years and all of a sudden you want to give it away to the guy in the skinny jeans that wants to run around and he doesn't know half the Bible and and he's being run by the world. See, I believe that people continue to grow until they go six feet under. And then you go to be with Jesus and then you are complete and whole and you're everything you're supposed to be. But see, people and things are a concept that we've created in our society where we start looking at people as assets. Well, that person is really good at cleaning up or that person's really good at playing drums or guitar or, or piano. But the moment that they start trying to expand outside of that, well, we got to keep them playing guitar. We got to keep them playing, you know, cleaning up because they're good at it. See, people grow and things are finite and they don't. They're used up and then they're thrown away. See, that's one of the things that I think is important is we find a society that is looking for TikTok and and all these other things. And there's some really young and beautiful people out there that are putting themselves out there that are wasting themselves and they are a thing. And until that commodity starts getting old, ho oh, the moment it starts getting old, there's not going to be the usefulness of that thing anymore. And they see themselves as a thing and other people see them as a thing. 
See, we need to be telling people that they are beneficial and that they're growing. Amen. You need to be telling people you're not stuck where you're at. You need to understand the benefit of who you are now, but who you're going to be in the future. Because you're going to be somebody that's beyond where you're at. And if all it is is the looks and, the, and, and how people make people feel, then guess what? Eventually that's all going to go away. But see, we need people to understand their worth and to grow. Amen? And what we're going to do is we're going to see this in Philemon. I, I love Philemon. I think it's a great thing. Everybody that hates on Philemon, they hate it because uh, Onesimus is a slave. And he was. Onesimus was a slave. But he was a slave back during this time frame, back in the first century. And most slaves in the Greek were what they call debt slaves. Do you know, you understand what a debt slave is? Most people do. A debt slave would be, so we're slaves to our houses. How many people's got a, a, a mortgage on your house, on your car, whatever? Well, guess what? If you've got a mortgage on your car, house, and you could not pay it, back in that day, you went to work for the guy that gave you the money. And you had to work off your debt. And that's exactly what Onesimus was. He was a debtor slave. In fact, I'm going to get into this a little bit because I, th- I think this is important for us to kind of understand what happens when we start thinking about people as assets when they really can grow beyond those assets. And Philemon loved people, so Paul reminded him of his relationships with God and also his brothers. And see, I love the way that Paul opens up Philemon because Paul tells Philemon, the the owner of Onesimus, he tells him some pretty amazing things about the character of who he is, not just as a slave owner, because he doesn't even talk about that. He talks about who he is as a man in Christ Jesus. In fact, Philemon 1.4, and it says, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers. Talking about Philemon, hearing of your love and your faith, which you have towards the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Verse 6 says, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. I want you to understand something. A couple weeks ago, we ended up doing a, a, a testimony service. Do you know that testimony service is exactly what this is talking about? When you acknowledge all the good things that are going on that God has put in your life, that is the greatest witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, you are more effective by telling people about that rather than just walking up to them going, you going to hell? <laughs> how many people know that, I mean, I, how many people know I love when somebody walks up and goes, do you know Jesus, are you going to hell or are you going to heaven? I remember we would go do these knocking on the door things years ago and we'd go walk, walk up and knock on the door. I know Charlie and all the, you know, Charlie and Heather will remember, but we go knock on the door and you'd walk up and you'd say, hey, we're from Victory Christian Fellowship. That's where we, the church we were from at the time. And, you know, we want to ask you a question. Are you going to bust hell wide open or are you going to enter the gates of heaven? <laughs> Woo! 
how, hallelujah. That, that just makes you feel like, woo, I think Jesus is happening here. The answer is no. Most people went, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm saved, whatever. Can you get off my front porch? But see, we had some people that got saved or started coming to the church because of it. I'm not going to say that there wasn't. I mean, you know, a blind hog finds an acorn every once in a while, you know? When, when you're rooting through the grass of life, eventually you might hit upon something. Well, that's exactly what this was. But see, he's telling, basically, Paul is telling Philemon, you're very effective at your job of telling people about the gospel. Because you go and tell people about who you are and what has happened to you. You pray and you do things for the saints. We know it. We see your character. And see, this is one of the things that Paul wanted to ignite back in Philemon and tell him, hey, look, I know who you are as a man. I know who you are in Christ Jesus. I want you to know that there may be some opportunities for you to be a little bit better in a couple of areas. In fact, it says in verse 7, it says, for, for we have great joy and consolation. This means comfort in your love. This is the, the word agape, like the God kind of love. This is like a love feast, a smorgasbord, if you will. I know Amy loves it when I use the word smorgasbord because she's like, you just, that seems to be a word that you like. Well, smorgasbord, if you will, is a big feast. It means I get to pick anything I want to. You know, God looks at us as we're all a big feast up here. And he gets to pick every one of us and he does. See, that's the agape kind of love is that you have so many other things that you could have picked, but you're going to pick you. That I get to choose you and you get to choose me. You may go, Dusty, I think you're ugly. I don't want to choose you. And you go, but you know what? The agape kind of love says you got to choose me. You know, that this is one of the things that Philemon, through Paul, is saying here is that he was good at choosing people even though they were unchoosable. See, that's the, that's the mark of a good Christian is that we choose people not based upon what we like, the brotherly love, the, the, the phileo type of love, the brotherly, that like, I, I like what you look like, I like what you say, I, I like how you say it. No, no, no. He chose people. In fact, I actually think that Philemon was such a good man that he probably took on debtor slaves to keep them away from the bad people. See, you know, we only, you know, I've had so many people teach on this and they were like, well, Philemon, you know, uh, Onesimus ran away and he did this and he did this. And I'm like, it's not in there. You can't find it. I, I, there's only one chapter in this whole book, right? I can only go by what's in here. But I can tell you this with, with the degree of confidence that Philemon was such a good man that he was good to all people. The people who worked for him, the people who were around him, the people that were, that were slaves, it didn't matter. And see, that's one of the things that I think Paul was trying to tell them is that 
because the heart of the saints has been refreshed by you, brother. It means that he was the guy that was going around and refreshing people. He was building people up. He was going, you can do this. You can do this. You know, we didn't have Philippians at this point. So my favorite scripture, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me, hadn't been written. How about this? How about if Paul was sitting there and all of a sudden Philemon just says, Paul, you can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens you. How, how awesome would that have been? Because we see here, I'm not saying that happened, but I get to like have some, some fun with this, right? See, Philemon was that kind of man. He was that kind of man that was going to refresh the people that were around him. And it says in verse 8, it says, Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for the love's sake, which is agape love, I rather appeal to you, being such as one as Paul, the aged, now I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. Whom I have begotten while, while in my chains. Who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. Now I want you to understand something. This is where everybody gets that Onesimus ran away and maybe he did and that's fine. You know, a lot of times the slaves ran everything. In fact, that's one of the reasons why they say that Rome fell is because 50% of the people who lived in the city of Rome were slaves. And guess what they did? They were the accountants. They were the doctors. They were the lawyers. They were everything. All the rich people sat around and they had all these slaves that did stuff for them. And they were educated. Well, if you're an educated slave and you're like, I don't like this system anymore and I'm running everything. I know where all the money's hidden, right? I know where all the bodies are buried, well, these people would go out and they started from within destroying everything from inward. That's how sort of the Roman Empire kept falling and falling and falling. Number one, they took over too many things. But then eventually it was like we have this slave class. We keep adding more and more slaves because we get more and more in debt. You know, I'm going to make a semi-political statement here. We sort of have this with our kids because they have hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt when they come out of these institutions of higher learning where they learn very little depending on what they were actually in for. But most of them work at Starbucks and they have $100,000 in debt. See, this is the kind of thing that destroyed a whole society is because when you have most of the people who have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt and they don't make $14,000 a year, guess what happens to your economy? And this is exactly what was going on during this time. So essentially, Philemon and Onesimus, you know, I believe Onesimus probably was running errands, doing things, found out about Paul, got saved, decided he was going to stay because he heard something so good that he wanted it. Remember, we don't have any details, so I get to make, up, make it up as I go along. All right? 
And Onesimus was like, I got saved and I, I want to help you, Paul. I want to do something. I feel a call. But he didn't go back to Philemon. That's, that's what we do know is that he did not go back to Philemon. And in verse 12 it says, I'm sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. He's making the plea. He's saying, hey, I'm going to send him back to you, but can I get him back? He's really profitable to me. Can I have him? It would be, it would be good for me and for you if he was to stay with me. Now, I want you to understand something. Consequences require payment. If you go and get $100,000 worth of debt at, in college, well, unless we have a president that can't even make two sentences that's going to pay everybody's debt off, that which don't even get me started there, but if we have somebody pay off all that stuff, which means that it just falls right back into the national debt, then there's a consequence for that action. Well, there was a consequence for the debt that Onesimus had. See, God is not about let's get saved and then all your earthly debts and everything are paid for. Wouldn't that be nice? You just have people who are atheists go, well, if I can get my debts paid for by the church or by anybody, I'll just, I'll just act like I'm a Christian for a little while. We'll just get my debts paid off. See, that was not the message that Paul was sending back to Philemon. He was sending the, the message back to Philemon that there is a debt, there is a profitability that needs to happen for you, but I also believe that there's a profitability for me, and I don't want him, talking about Onesimus, to miss out on paying you back. See, these are the things that Paul was looking at is that he could have a greater call as a saint in your debt than just coming back and working for you specifically. And it says right here, I'm sending him back to you, therefore receive him. That is my own heart. That means that was his belief is that I'm going to send him back to you and you're going to get something in return, and I'm going to get something. Whom I wish to keep with me on your behalf, and he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. See, if Paul could get, if God could get, I'm sorry, if Paul could get Philemon to let Onesimus come back, then he said his debt is going to be paid. In fact, it says in verse 14, without your uh, consent, I wanted to do nothing. But the good deeds that might, um, I'm sorry, that your good deeds might not be uh, by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. See, Paul was, Paul was trying to get Philemon to say, look, I don't know if you see him as a saint. I don't know if you see him as a sinner. I don't know if you see him as somebody who's a debtor. I don't know if you see him as somebody who can pay his debt. See, back in these days, if you ran away, guess what happened to you when you came back? You dead. 
And Paul was trying to say he is worth more to us alive than dead. See, back then they had a really bad problem with things and people. And people and things are something that Paul wanted to give a dividing line and say, this is what you need to understand about people. People are good and profitable. Things are wasted. Things are just going to fall apart. How many people know you got a car outside? Eventually you got to go have another car, right? Especially the cars they're making today. Good Lord. I mean, you only go a couple of years and the thing starts falling apart. But see, this is what I want you to understand is that are you in the middle of a transactional thing? So when I, when I pay for my car, I get to use it, right? Hopefully it lasts me until I quit making payments so that I'm not paying on a car that doesn't work, right? Well, that's exactly the way Philemon saw this is I have his debt and he's not doing anything for me. And Paul was trying to say he's much more than his debt and he's also doing more for you than you ever knew. He is good for the gospel. See, that's what a partnership is. See, that's one of the reasons why I tell all of the people who work for me and for the power company, I tell them that we're going to partner together that they work with me. You know, I may tell somebody, well, that person works for me, but when I'm talking to them, we're working together. We're partnering. Because when I partner together, I'm not just telling them what to do. We're working on it together because they may know what to do better than I do. See, I want everybody to understand is that in our lives, do we have transactional things with people or do we have partnerships with people? Because if you have a partnership with someone, then you get the best of everything that they have to offer. But if you have a transaction, transactional thing, they're only going to give you what they have to give you for the amount of money or the amount of time or whatever it was. See, that's the reason why we need to understand the difference between what people are and things because a thing will only give you a finite amount of things. But people are so much more when you partner with them. Amen? So I'm going to finish with this. Because I think we need to see what Jesus did when people were talking about transactional things. In fact, this is the, the rich young man. People call him the rich young ruler. But this man was a person that he had great wealth. He had lots of things going for him. He was probably young and good looking and had money. He was all the things everybody wants from TikTok, right? So if you like TikTok, then this is the dude for you right here. But things require a to-do list and people require a relationship. And Jesus was trying to drive that home with him. In fact, in Matthew 19, 16, it says, Now, behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good things shall I do that I might have eternal life? So Jesus, he said to him, he says, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Now I want to stop right here. So Jesus asked him a question 
and he didn't answer back. What was the question that Jesus answered, asked him? Do you think I'm God? And you know what? He's, he didn't say anything. He was like, well, I don't believe, I don't know if you're God or not. But I will ask my question. And it says right here in verse 18, it says, And he said unto him, talking about the rich young man, which ones? Talking about the commandment. And Jesus said, You shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, All these things I've kept from my youth. What do I still lack? <clears throat> See, this is a, this is a, this was a, um, where is your heart moment? You know, if I, if I ask all you guys this exact same question, this is rhetorical, I'll answer it for you. But none of us keep all these, right? Especially when Jesus says that if you, you know, if you think about murdering somebody, how many people's thought about that just coming in and driving on the interstate? Goodness. If I could get my hands on. But these are the things that you need to understand is that this was Jesus trying to understand this man's heart. And the man failed. In fact, the man failed really hard. Because Jesus asked him, this one, this one is the biggest one. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know, I think the man did love his neighbors as himself. And I think a lot of people love their neighbors as themselves. They don't love themselves, and so they love their neighbor exactly the same way. You know, if I don't love myself, then how in the world can I love you? If I have, if I have some sort of thing that I can't get past in my own life, how am I going to muster it up in order to love you? And see, this is what Jesus was telling him. He goes, all right. He goes, you believe you've done all these things. In verse 21, it says, Jesus said unto him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasures in heaven and come follow me. But when the, the young man heard the sayings, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Now, I'm going to ask this question. Was this young man transactional? Was he, was he a things person or was he a people person? Things. See, Jesus was trying to have relationship with this man because he knew if he doesn't sell all of his stuff or give it away or, or at least just follow me, come with me. Which meant that he was going to go live on the ground. How many people knew that Jesus did not live, you know, the way that we do? He didn't go to his bed every night. I mean, you know, get in his sleep number and be like, well, I'm going to get my, go get my eight hours of sleep and then I'm going to get up and I'm going to minister to all the lepers. No, that's not what happened at all. In fact, Jesus said Jesus would go stay in a house and then they would be out in the middle of nowhere and they'd be camping. Well, this rich young man probably had never slept outside a day in his life. See, Jesus was saying, if you have relationship with me, if you come with me, 
I will show you all the things that you're missing. Because I can, back then you could pay money in order to get your sins forgiven you. You could have a, a priest that you walked up to, gave him some money, you know, he would cut some sort of animal in two and say, ah, the blood has covered it, you're perfect. See, that's what this young man believed, was that the blood of animals had covered my sins and I could pay for a bull, which was something, by the way, that only the super rich or it was done for the whole country was done. You didn't have a bull sacrificed for you that often. It was either done for the whole country or it was done for the super rich. And see, these are the things that I want you to understand is that in a transactional world that people and things start to get kind of munged up because we start thinking about how do I have relationship with you? And I'm going to tell you what, you gifts people, the people who, you know, there's the, the love gifts. How many people's ever, I've talked about this before, the love gifts, you know. Uh, my wife falls into gifts of service. I can go take stuff out of the yeah, acts of service and all that. I can go you know, take stuff out of the dishwasher. I did it this week. I was a hero for like three days. <laughs> My Aunt Dorinda, back, back when she was alive, she was a gifts person, straight up. Like she gave gifts because she wanted gifts. But see, these are the kind of things that you understand is that we love people typically the way that we want to be loved. You know, if you're a touch person, you walk up and you hug everybody and people are like, get off me. Quit touching me. But see, those are the kind of things that we need to understand is that Jesus himself was trying to get people and Paul was trying to get Philemon to understand is that when we have a transactional understanding of I get something from you, you get something from me. Then, then we only get the, the minimums. How many people know, and there's some good people out here that do work for people, like Al, man, Al goes way and beyond. I mean, when he was coming doing stuff for us, I was like, wow, Al, uh, there's a point where you got to stop, buddy. I mean, that was exactly what I would have to tell him because Al was going to go the extra mile. But when you have a transactional thing with somebody out here, you pay them, and you get a little less than what you expected most of the time. How many people's had that? I paid for something. I got something. But it actually wasn't exactly what I thought I was going to get. And see, this is one of those things that you have to understand is that when you have a transactional type of relationship with people and with God, you only get the bare minimums. And Jesus wants us to have relationship with people and love our brother and this is what jesus said in john 15 11 it says these things i've spoken to you that my joy may be remaining in you that your joy may be full this is my commandment that you love one another as i have loved you see jesus told the rich young ruler love people as yourself because in the old testament it was, you're only going to be able to love as much as you can actually be loved. But see, he's basically saying, don't even do something that you would do 
Love people the way I've loved them. Now I want you to know, Jesus loved people by going to the cross and dying. That's a little extreme. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's the extreme love that we have to love people with. Is that we have to say, I'm going to love you even though it may hurt. It may not feel good. And I'm not talking about being physically, I've had people go, well, if somebody's physically abusive or they didn't, no, I'm just, if they're physically abusive, don't be around them. But my point behind this is, is that there are times where I have to act and I have to restrain myself from not snapping at people and telling them what I want to tell them because they're being unreasonable. I have to love them like Jesus loved. See, we've never been stoned. We've never had somebody call us a heretic. Well, I've been called a heretic multiple times since I've started this church. But we've never, ever been brought up in front of uh, someone like the Sanhedrin, been beat with, you know, with, been beat with whips. See, all these different things we need to understand is that when we're talking to people, people are going to be jerks. But see, when we love people, we have to go, praise the Lord, I'm going to love you the way that, I'm going to love you the way Jesus loved you. You know that Jesus didn't, uh, you know, everybody goes, well, Jesus loved everybody and he didn't say anything. Well, he called them whitewashed tombs. You know, a whitewashed tomb and a whitewashed fence had a connotation to it back then. It meant that you were covered in excrement. And see, this is the thing. Jesus had moments where he would be like, look, I'm going to do this. I'm, gonna, I'm going to love you, but I want you to know that you're wrong. See, we have to tell the truth in love. We have to tell the truth in that, that Jesus didn't just die for our sins, but he also died to bring us everlasting life. And when people, especially Christians, brothers and sisters, sitting in here, sitting in your houses, talking to you, you know, maybe uh, far away from you, you work with them. You tell them the truth in love because you want them to have everlasting life, just not sin. Because sin is sin's bad. Don't do it. But having everlasting life means that I'm able to take on things in this world and they don't bother me. Because when Jesus came and he gave us life more abundantly, gave us that everlasting life, he didn't come to condemn us. God's not condemning us. The world may be condemning us. But he said that he came himself in John three seventeen to be condemned. So when Jesus is loving the world, he came to be condemned instead of them. See, in a transactional love type of environment, we will take on the condemnation more than we will give it to people. Amen? Amen. Verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that to lay one's life down for a friend. 
See, that's the way Jesus loved us, and we need to love, we need to love others exactly like that. And I want, you to, I want you to pray about that because that's not something I can just tell you how to do. That's going to be the Holy Spirit that's going to have to show you how to love that way. Because believe me, there's days where I do this good and there's days where I have messed up. There's weeks where I've messed up. And see, you don't need to look at me in order to know how to do this. But we need to live by the Holy Spirit and to know exactly when and what to do. That requires God being present in our life. Just like we said before all this, be still and know that He is God. When you're having problems with this, know that God has something better for you and for other people. Don't be transactional. Be in relationship with those people. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I, I'm praying that everybody, that Holy Spirit, you just help everybody to understand that if there's relationships and, and there's people that they work with and there's there's people that they go to the pharmacy or they go to the store and they're always dealing with somebody who is rude or, or they treat somebody rude or there's a problem that Holy Spirit show us how to create opportunities to make people people and leave the things to just do the things that they do. But that people are to be regarded differently. And Father, I pray over each and every person that you're just bringing people to their, to their mind that they can go and they can start those relationships, that they, they can walk away from the, the transactional things, but that it helps them, and Holy Spirit, help them to be able to get past that exterior so that they can start cultivating because it's going to be a cultivation. There's going to be rocks in those relationships. There's going to be issues in those relationships. And Father, I just pray over each and every one of them that you, by the Holy Spirit, are helping them to remove those rocks, helping them to remove those barriers so that they no longer have a transactional things relationship with people, but that they can actually connect and touch people from the solical realm so that they can minister Jesus, so that they can be just like Philemon. And that by, by telling every good thing that they are effective in the gospel, in the teaching of the gospel, because of those good things that you've done, so that they can touch people heart to heart, soul to soul, and it can help other people grow. Father, we just thank you, dear Lord, for this day. We thank you for this time of fellowship we're about to have. I pray over this food that we're about to receive may nourish our bodies. I thank you for a great time together. And Father, I just pray over each and every person as they go up this week. I thank you you lead people across their path that they can have relationship with and they can tell the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, I'll be down here at the front. If not, you're dismissed. We've got a chili uh, supper, so uh, please stay and eat with us. Thank you.